Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Mental Health Show, where we discuss all aspects of mental health and wellness and how it impacts our physical health. We'll share stories and speak with behavioral health experts to normalize conversations around mental health and the need for occasional support. Our goal is to reduce stigma and provide listeners with tools and resources you need to lead physically and mentally healthy lives. Hi. Hey, good to see you. Hi, Doc Robin. I love it. We we should do this intro together, right? I guess it's officially mine, but you know, I I feel like we should do it together. So uh, let me get the you know I got to get these particulars out of the way because I lots of people have responded to the topic of this conversation. I think it is going to be wild. Um, so welcome to our episode on Let's Talk Mental Health. I am Dr. James Simmons, board certified nurse practitioner and founder of Ask the NP, and of course with me. I am Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon and Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. And okay, so folks, for folks who don't know you, Doc Robin, what like what does that mean? Like you just said a big fancy title. Like what does that mean? I know, right? Well, I am a licensed clinical psychologist by training. So I do have that certification in here to talk about mental health. Don't want to forget your particulars though, because for both of us, we want to make absolutely sure everybody knows that we are not giving any of that good old fashioned advice that yeah. can be something that, you know, don't want to misinterpret in here. We're not diagnosing or treating anybody today, are we, dear? Correct. And if you find that you are, you know, in sort of a crisis situation at all, um, this is not the venue for you to seek help. We do ask that you reach out to your provider immediately or even call 911. None of this is, of course, medical advice at all. If you need more information about anything that we talk about here, you can go to providence.org. All right. But I think that gets back to the, you know, what is it that I do every day? Mm -hmm. I try and make sure that people who need mental health services to the best of our abilities can get them all across Providence, all across Oregon. You know, fun fact, I saw a statistic in a meeting just the other day. Last year during the pandemic, we saw more people than we've ever seen before here in Providence and Oregon we had over 200,000 unique incidents of care. Whoa. And that was a huge, was that a big jump from previous? Well, just pre-pandemic, looking right at 2018, we saw about 160,000. So that's okay. a pretty big jump in a pretty short period of time. Yeah, yeah. That is like 20%-ish, um, which, is, which is huge. And it, it speaks to... Doc Robin, like everything that we're going through right now, and I kind of just want to jump in with our precious 27 minutes that we have left. I mean, we are, we're all so overwhelmed. There's this like air of just anxiety over everyone right now with everything going on. And I, I we're going to get into sort of specifics about those, but just in general, like, like, how are we doing and what do we need to be doing to like manage our house just on like a 10,000 foot level right now? Because I, I, I at least feel good I'm not alone in this, but I also feel bad that there are so many of us right now who are having these issues. I can't think of anybody who's not feeling this right now. It's everything in the feels that comes along. It's the anxiety of there's a war in the Ukraine and it's causing immediate impact at the gas tank and inflation and all the things and all the things. And COVID, you know, mm -hmm. is at record lows that we've seen in a really long time. I think I heard today that there were 15 cases hospitalized uh, in Providence and Oregon. And I'm like, 15 cases? Wow. When's the last time we had that? 
and yet at the same time, people are terrified of the mask mandate going away. They're terrified of what do we do? How do I greet someone? Am I supposed to still stay six feet away? What does this all look like? So there's a lot of unknowns. And I think when we have a lot of unknowns from a lot of competing multiple areas, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of stress, anxiety, depression, and just generally feeling over. But let, let's kind of break each of those down a little bit. I mean, you you laid everything out there and and I feel like this is all on top of everything we just went through in the last two years and all of us just sort of getting back to, you know, people keep saying post-COVID and I've caught myself saying this too. We are definitely not post-COVID. We're just in a different COVID area. But let's start with the war in Ukraine. And I think one of the one of the biggest emotions that so many individuals have about this right now is almost sort of this like I just am carrying on with my life as usual. Like I just went to Costco this morning and was running around Costco and was getting cranky and everyone's, you know, moving too slow in Costco. And then, you know, I went past one of the TVs and it was CNN's wall-to-wall coverage of, you know, war in Ukraine. And I was like, wow, I'm cranky about, you know, not being able to get through Costco as fast as I wanted. And these individuals are in the middle of war. Like, how do we, what advice do you give to folks who are, you know, we're carrying on with life as usual? This this whole, there's a sense of helplessness in here and figuring out how it is that you keep this in what can I control? What can I control? What can I do? Um, this becomes a really good time to think about what are you doing in support of, of what you can control? Um, for instance, I see a lot of different fundraisers for different things in social media, a lot of things in support of places like World Central Kitchen, who's out mm-hmm. there, you know, providing meals right there on the border. Maybe I can't be somebody who goes out and volunteers for the Ukrainian army, but what I can do is perhaps donate some resources to an organization close to my heart that supports efforts in that direction. But if that's not your thing, think about what are other types of ways that you can figure out how to give back to some of the other things that we've got going on. For instance, volunteering in a local soup kitchen, um, volunteering at something at your church. Finding ways to connect and give back during times like this can be a really important way to stay grounded and not get overwhelmed. Mm, I really like that, that it's it sort of allows you this opportunity to sort of get outside of yourself and get outside of the things that are going on, you know, within yourself and sort of speaking of getting outside of yourself, you know, for a lot of folks with families, these might be some of the first times that our kiddos are talking about war, seeing images of war, um, at least on this scale, um, right? We, we, We would be remiss in acknowledging the many wars that are already, you know, sort of going on around the planet, unfortunately. But to this scale that we're seeing it, how do we talk to our kids about this, Doc Robin? You know, it it goes back to some of the tried and true things that we know. A lot of it depends on the age of your child. But let's start with your trip to Costco and the wall-to-wall television and the wall-to-wall coverage. Mm -hmm. Think about what you're putting on your screen time. Think about how much of this we're asking people to take in at any given time. And then remember, if you're a small child and that's what you're seeing, Many children, especially when you start to get under the age of 10, don't really have that relational ability to understand, oh, that's across over in another country. Mm-hmm. To them, especially the younger you get, they could be thinking, well, that's over across town. Uh, so we have to be careful about perspective and helping kids understand that they are safe and they are they are okay where they are. So let's limit that mm-hmm. screen time. Let's limit all of the 
uh, having the news on all the time with all of the coverage, especially if you've got small children in the home, maybe watching news when those you know little kiddos are in bed might be a really good idea because this stuff is hard for us as adults to see. Now, as we go up the age range and we get into adolescence, not saying, hey, we need to turn that TV on more. What we need to do is we need to talk about it, talk mm -hmm. about it more, talk about what do we know? What are our own experiences as parents uh, with the war? Maybe we had, you know, I had grandparents who were in World War II. I've heard a lot of stories from there. I have, you know, parents who were in um, Korea or the Vietnam mm -hmm. War and things like that. What mm -hmm. does that look like? I have a husband who is, a, you know, <laughs> retired military. And what is that experience like? And having those conversations with our adolescents and young adults and helping them normalize that and helping them see. And I don't mean normalize in terms of saying war is normal, but right. have that perspective of how do we what are the things we need to do in a responsible society to take care of this? Mm. Have and a thoughtful conversation about war crimes and what that means. Yeah, because I think there's so much, there's oftentimes a lot of confusion about, again, depending on the age of, of your child, the, the type of conversation that you're having. But a lot of times, you know, I think you, you really hit something there, Doc Robin, about not being able to differentiate between is this a thing that's happening in my neighborhood and I'm seeing it on TV versus a, a thing that might be happening, you know, thousands of miles away and that I'm safe in this moment. But then also, as you go up the age range, you know, what what do we mean by, by war crimes? Why is this such a big deal? How is it, you know, how is it impacting our our prices at the pump, you know, which are, you know, absolutely insane. But how is it, Doc Robin, how is all of this having to talk about it with our kids, seeing it on the TV at Costco, scrolling through the images constantly on our phones? Like, how is this impacting our mental health? Well, I can tell you it's not the healthiest thing that we do. Um, I can tell you that it does definitely have an impact and it's going to drag us into that space of not feeling great, of not doing the things we need to do for self-care. Maybe you're not getting outside and getting the exercise you need or getting away from this stuff, mm. disconnecting and doing something because it can feel guilty to disconnect. Truly, mm -hmm. it can feel really guilty to disconnect and to think, well, you know, I, I'm not there. I should be doing something. I should be doing something all the time. Part of doing something is taking care of you so that you can show up and do the things that you need to do in order to make, you know, the world you live in work as well, which is important too. Mm. Um, all of us have different roles, whether we're working at a gas station, a grocery store, a healthcare facility, whatever. And we've got to take attention to ourselves and how this is impacting us so that we don't get caught in that dysfunction that makes us, you know, kind of develop learned helplessness. Mm. Whoa. Okay. Wait, you just took us to a whole new place, Doc Robin. <laughs> like, wait a minute. How long do we have for this? Learned, learned helplessness. Um, I, I almost feel, I mean, there's so much there. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now because, but what I do think is, is what might be helpful in this very moment is what are just a couple of like tips, even just simple things. I think about you know, my my iPhone tells me when I'm reaching a predetermined screen time limit yes. and then it will warn me. I'll be like, hey, dude, you've been on the phone too long. You need to get off. And I, I kind of listen to it. Like, I'm literally like, why? Am, I, nothing that I'm doing on the phone right now is caught, you know, is something that I can't put down. So what are some other tips that that we can do to sort of protect our mental health right now and not slide down that slope that where where you were going where we're going 
get good sleep. And by good sleep, that means turn off that TV and give your brain time to rest before you go to bed. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. The basics of drink water, walk outside, exercise, all those types of things. The things you do for self-care. Whether your self-care is going to a spa and getting a facial or going out and playing racquetball or whatever your self-care is, make sure that you're making time for your self-care and make time to spend with the people you care about and love, both in conversation about what's happening, because I think it's important for us to talk with the people around us about what's happening, Mm -hmm. but also find some other things to talk about. Put a limit on it, set a limit and say, hey, we're going to talk about this you know, for a bit, but we're going to change the subject and we're going to talk about something completely different. Because mm-hmm. if we don't take breaks from this and get some perspective, we can really get caught in a spiral that's going to begin to break out in different ways, like lashing out of our friends, lashing out at our coworkers, lashing out at our partners and the people we love, because mm-hmm. we don't even realize how stressed out we are. Mm-hmm. And I, we don't realize how stressed we are. <laughs> right? And we and we don't even to the to place where the, you know it's been difficult for me to sort of practice what I preach. And I I am having guilt even just about do, watching something fun on TV. Like I'm like, well, I have to watch these serious movies, and I have to watch this thing, and I have to watch the news, and I have to watch whatever. So I feel like I just need to hear you say like to everyone watching, Doc Robert, like it is okay for you to step away and do a little self care and disconnect. Yeah absolutely watch something completely mindless and let yourself just live in that moment go you know we're getting there's some good shows coming up we know this there's some Mm -hmm. great you know thoughtless reality tv out there some people you know that works for some people soap operas work for other people whatever it is that works for you that allows you and your mind to escape and go Mm -hmm. somewhere else for a bit is going to also give you some fresh perspective You ever notice when you're thinking about something all the time that, you know, you lose perspective and then somebody else walks up and they like point out the obvious and and you go, oh my gosh, I should have known that. I should have seen that. Well, it's kind of like that, you know, that's kind of this situation where we get too close to something, we start to ruminate and Mm -hmm. that kind of spiral can take us into some real serious mental health consequences. Like all of a sudden just feeling bummed out becomes depression. Mm -hmm. It, it can like bum, bummed out turning into depression and even being too close to something, I think is a perfect segue into sort of my next question, Doc Robin, my next thought about yeah, being too close to something, I think often makes it harder to focus and to focus on, on the things we need to be prioritizing. How, how do we pull back a little, you know, when we're overwhelmed and we're maybe bummed on the way to depression, we're feeling guilt about certain things. We also like don't want to go anywhere because it's six fifty and gallon in LA right now. But like being too close to it, we also constantly lose focus. And at the end of the day, like we gotta pay the bills, right? Like folks gotta go to work and get their job done. So like, how do we focus in the middle of all of this? It comes back to some of those basic tools of mindfulness making sure that we've got some intentionality in what we're doing. Take time to take a breather. I mean, I got an Apple iWatch right here. It reminds me several times a day to take a breath. Mm. And I need to pay attention to that and just stop. Because here's what we know. Even a simple breathing exercise like four square breathing. We've we've talked about four square breathing before, you Mm. know, where you breathe in for four counts, breathe out, you hold for four counts, breathe out for four counts, 
hold for four counts, that, and you do that two or three times in the nice little square there, that right there will interrupt a panic attack. It will help lower your anxiety and it will shift your focus because all of a sudden now, all your brain can think about is breathing. Mm. And doing that a few times a day with intentionality can help build in those, those breaks that are going to regain perspective. But the important thing is here is intentionality. Mm. You know, this is a really great time. If you don't already journal, even if it's just some simple gra gratitude journal, gratitude journals are great where you just write in two or three things that you're grateful for every day. Maybe it's only one thing you're grateful for, but find a way to focus on something you're grateful for, write it down. And you've got then that kind of a push to go, okay, I'm going to think about what am I grateful for? Maybe the only thing I'm grateful for today is that latte I had this morning. Okay. <laughs> but tomorrow I might be grateful for the barista who made the latte, right? right. It's, it's, it's that shift in perspective. Mm -hmm. But find those little things that resonate with you and insert them into your life with intentionality. Mm, I love that intentionality. Insert them into your life with intentionality. And you know, I, I think it's funny that one of those gratitude journals I, I've had before, and it's it's a daily one, and then you go back and look at it. And it's amazing when you go back and look and you're like, God, I had some really crappy days last year or all we all did in the last two years. But if you go back and read this gratitude journal, every single day is something I was grateful for. And then I was like, wow, my year was awesome. Like considering, you know, it's really, it's really a, a fantastic thing. So I, I love that suggestion, Doc Robin. And speaking of the last two years, Everyone, I feel like I need a mask even on this call, right? Everyone was wearing masks and now we're not. In fact, that Costco trip today that I took this morning was the first time I went into a store like full on scenario, maskless. I was just like, all right, I gotta see if I can do this. Like, can I, like, will my anxiety as a healthcare provider and all of these things do this? And and it was an interesting experience. Um, How'd you do? I, I did well. I ended up, I started off a little scared, but then ultimately got to, I, well, I, where I left the store was guilt. Like I was like, man, what if I still should be wearing this thing? I mean, case counts in LA are super low right now. And you know, there's a reason the mask mandate was lifted and I'm triple vaxxed. I also had COVID once I got it at the hospital. Like I'm like super immune, but at the same time, like, I'm like, I don't want to be in, unintentionally spreading it to someone. So that fear, that anxiety, that guilt, like all of those emotions I just went through, like, how do you suggest everybody else watching also deal with that, Doc Robin? We're all going to have to make our own decisions in individual, in real time. And we like to think that these decisions are going to be based in solid, in you know, solid knowledge, right? If I'm going to walk into a place that I know I'm not comfortable because there's a lot of unknown people and it will make me feel better to have a mask on, then do that. People all over the world do that. It's very common, especially in like Japan. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they wear masks there long before COVID. That was part of what people did. Mm -hmm. If I've got a cold, if I'm sneezing and I'm sniffling, that's, you know, I feel like now I have an obligation. I need to wear a mask because I need to make sure that I'm protecting other people from what I don't know I have. And if I have to go out, I'm definitely going to wear a mask because I don't want to pass that to anybody. Right. So part of this is knowing that masks aren't a political statement one way or the other. And yet there are people who are still going to attribute that right to politics.
Mm-hmm. And let's go back to the sensibility that, you know, masks are like gloves. How many of us think that we should probably be wearing rubber gloves when we go into to Costco to go shopping because you touch all those things other people have touched? It's like, ew, it's not like that. Right. It was strange if you saw somebody wearing rubber gloves in Costco. Uh-huh. But for some people, you know, they know those services have been, you know, I, and I'm taking it to a bit of extreme. But the reality is these are tools that we've developed to help especially immune compromised people be able to function normally in society. This is a healthcare issue, not a political issue. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, as the mass mandates are lifted, this can go back to being a healthcare issue. A- amen to that. And the you, you brought up something so interesting about this big, you know, it's it's not new. The masks and uh, this whole thing has become political. That's not the point of our discussion. But what has come about be, of this being so political, it are people bringing lots of personality into this and they're very, very strong opinions. And we actually have a question relating to that from uh, one of our viewers. By the way, before I get to that question, if you have questions, you're watching on YouTube, LinkedIn, or on Facebook, put them down in the comments. We have a moderator watching right now. They'll get us that questions. We have uh, we have about eight minutes left. So we definitely wanna answer the questions that you have. And one of the questions uh, from a viewer we have, I feel like people are so stressed and angry and not easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're anxious and overwhelmed like all of us, right? Do yep. you have suggestions, Doc Robin, of how to navigate all of the this is how the viewer put it. All of the sensitive personalities that seem to be everywhere right now. Oh, my stars and bars, it all starts with grace. Let's have a little mm-hmm. grace for each other. You never know what somebody else has been through and what they're carrying on their back and what they may just have come through. We have no idea what's happened to people during this pandemic, even if we're close to them, even if they're our friends. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they just walked out of a room where perhaps they lost their job or they lost a loved one or they just lost their checkbook and couldn't find it and they're super frustrated. (laughs) Right. We don't know the burdens everybody else is carrying. So when we run into somebody who's super sensitive, who's got that like prickly personality, our first, you know, reaction shouldn't be to jump in there and get right in there with them and argue. It should be actually to go, you know, wow, what happened? Right. Why are you having a rough day? Yeah. You know, take that trauma-informed approach and assume that that when people are coming in, because remember, anger is that secondary emotion, and that that anger comes out of hurt and fear. Anger comes out of hurt and fear. I was going to say, can you can you repeat that? I don't want you to gloss over that. Anger is a secondary emotion. Expand on that a little bit for us. So the idea that where anger comes from is is really underneath that is usually hurt or fear right? It's a, it's a fear response. It's a, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. And therefore I'm going to put up this wall of anger. I I've been hurt. I don't want to be hurt again. I'm going to put up this wall of anger and anger. Generally speaking, for the most part is not an emotion that comes in and of itself outside of those bases and helping people, giving them grace, giving them responding to anger with grace and with space Mm. gives people the opportunity to come back in a very different way. Mm. Uh, A lot of times anger is what you get. Uh, It's a trauma response. It can be very much a trauma response and it's protective, right? Sure. If I'm angry, you're not going to approach me. 
Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a, an emotion. You're right. That we're, you're not going to approach someone. It's emotion that we're all sort of scared of. And it can often just end the situation or the conversation because other parties are going to go. And so then you're not ultimately having to deal with the thing that you are fearful of or, or, you know, whatever that primary emotion was that drove you to that secondary emotion of anger. Um, and, and it's like, you know, when you see somebody that you don't know, that you don't really have to engage with, who's angry at you for no reason, giving them grace, walking away, not making the comments, you can make the comments in your head, that's fine. But why engage them and escalate the anger? That's mm. just, you know, random rage for no reason. Yeah. Those types of situations are one thing. But when somebody you know, somebody you care about is angry and you and they come at you in this in the sense of anger it's like whoa, whoa 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 wait a minute wait a minute you know are you okay what can i do to help yeah <laughs> like let's just right now do you need space okay. you got it's it it's okay to dial back yeah let me let me give you a little space here with that and you know we can try this again uh yep. down the road or you know let's totally okay to talk about something else right now or Totally okay to maybe we level set on something forward looking, like future looking. And yeah. and I sort of wanna, you know, in the last few minutes we have here to kind of talk about like I'm feeling a little cathartic already from this conversation, but just like breathing out and, and coping and hoping, right? What are these these things that we're looking forward to, mm-hmm. particularly for younger folks who maybe are like wow this is the first big war experience i'm experiencing with with you know the war going on in ukraine also like we just came out of COVID. like i'm graduating in may by the way but i graduated two years ago like i'm finally having my ceremony you know for my doctorate all these different things thank you that are you know feeling we're supposed to be feeling hopeful for like we're kind of coming out of the pandemic and all these things but how do we get to that place of hopefulness? How do we get to that place of being able to plan for the future when so much is really overwhelming and uncertain right now? Ah, it's the dose of hope. We all need that little dose of hope. Those are good things. We've got to figure out how we celebrate again. How do we engage and enjoy and think about what tomorrow is and build out those pieces of hope? Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to be excited about the fact that you're going to graduate and you're going to have that party uh, <laughs> at whatever level it is that you feel comfortable to. Finally. Don't feel embarrassed about that because these are the things that are going to rebuild our society. These are the things that are going to rebuild our families, rebuild our communities, rebuild all of us stepping up, finding those pieces of hope is what's going to get people back engaged in things like working in things like rejoining the workforce, rejoining education, getting back engaged in life and realizing that life's outside of your house. It's out in our communities. It's helping other people. It's helping ourselves. It's loving other people. It's loving ourselves. That dose of hope is really important. Hope's a great protective factor. We know this. Uh, The biggest protective factor for someone who is feeling suicidal is hope for the future. And engaging somebody in future thinking, in future planning, in future hope, and finding something that they care about that they can hope for. That is the big protective factor for people who are feeling suicidal. And a lot of people have felt suicidal and are feeling suicidal with everything going on around us. Mm -hmm. 
Of course, absolutely. And everything that that everyone's been through, you know, in the last couple of years, pandem pandemia and otherwise. Right. And, you know, I, I think that that's, it really can be that simple. You know, I think about the things we're looking forward to, right? Where we have, uh, you know, my graduation, like I mentioned, but also a couple of trips planned later this summer. And I was like, I have never been more excited to travel in my life, right? Like it's something, it's hopefulness. It's something to look forward to. And that can sometimes help elevate us out of the muck and out of the anxiety and out of the overwhelmingness to have that something to look forward to and that hope. Well, there's something to be said for a dream board, putting out there mm. what it is that you want for your life. This is the time where we can start to think about what are our dreams? Where do we want to go? I've got two kids in college and what are their dreams and what are their hopes and what are their aspirations? And having those things out there that you can start to build your goals towards is what's going to get people back engaged. I was in a meeting earlier today and somebody played a video of a little Ukrainian girl and she was singing um, the Elsa song. And it's, mm. it's been all over YouTube, that, that song. And I'm thinking, here's this kid in the middle of a war, in the middle of all of the things. And she's singing with joy and abandon and hope. Wow. Right? Amazing. So how do we find <laughs> our little Amazing. seven-year-old Ukrainian girl inside all of us that goes, yeah. where's my joy, abandon, and hope? Yeah. Where? <laughs> and if it needs to be frozen, that's great. Or Encanto. <laughs> or, we're not, or, we're not or whatever it is. Maybe it's my, I'm going to go to Disney World next year and I'm going to build my plan to do it. Whatever it is, we need to plan for the future. That's part of how we engage. That's also for those of us who are parents or around younger kids and things like that. This is what helps them grow too and see that, you know what? It is going to be okay. People mm -hmm. in World War One and World War Two saw far enough ahead World War One, especially, think about it. They didn't have social media, first of all. But right. but they didn't know. They'd never been through something like this. So how did they know what was on the other side? Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. to find that hope so that we can re-engage and rebuild and move forward together. Moving forward together, Robin, we have literally negative 20 seconds. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching. And I want to give you an opportunity to give us, you know, you mentioned a dream board. You may even just like a future plan. I want you to think of one or two other things that we can leave the audience with for, I like this idea of hope, right? Like we're overwhelmed, we're anxious, the war's going on. There's so many other things, but if we have hope, if we can target on hope, that can really get us through this. And it can get us up out of our, our personal feelings of being overwhelmed and anxious. So what are, what are the a last couple of takeaways you give everyone watching right now for to target on that, future thinking to target on that hope and get up out of it feeling overwhelmed. Find something to be excited about or look forward to every day. Just, it can be that little thing. It can be the latte. It can be the smile from the barista. It can be whatever it is, but find something in your world to be excited about and look forward to kind of like throwing that, throwing your hat over the fence so that you can go get it and doing those things that are going to keep us moving forward. That's number one. Number two, and it may be even more important, Find a way to do something nice for somebody else just mm. because. Mm. Make somebody else's day. And if we all start making somebody else's day, just a little kindness, just a little, whether it's, it's you know, picking up the cost of their beverage at, at Starbucks or 
opening the door and saying thank you or whatever it is that you choose to do, whether you do it like anonymously or you do it so they can see you do it. Find somebody to share your gratitude and do something nice for somebody else today. Oh, I love that. That's perfect, Doc Robin. Thank you. What a great way to end. I'm so sorry we went over by a couple of minutes, but I was we were really feeling this conversation and I think everybody definitely needs it. Um, and thank you, Dr. Robin, for joining us today and for everyone listening and sending in your questions uh, and watching on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, of course. If you are looking for medical advice, please visit, visit providence.org. Also, we mentioned suicide. If you are feeling suicidal or know someone who is, please call 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK if you're feeling suicidal or know someone who is and looking for help. Please make sure you follow Providence on social media, at Providence on Twitter, and under Providence Health System, the whole thing on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn if you aren't already. And as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. Remember, no, if you have questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult your physician or primary care provider. Doc Robin, everyone, thank you again so much, and we'll see you next time. Oh, thank you, Dr. James. You're the best.